Welcome to the Perspectives on Healthcare podcast, where members of the medical community from different roles, venues, and locations share their unique perspectives on quality healthcare, its future, and how to improve it. Now, from the Your Keynote Speaker Studio in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, here is your host, Rob Oliver. Thank you, and welcome to another episode of Perspectives on Healthcare. Today's perspective comes from Andrea Van Hook. She is in Washington, D.C. She is a member of Generation X, and she is the executive director of Resna, which is the Rehab Engineering Society of North America. Uh, Andrea, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Rob. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So we start off with the easy question, and that is, tell me a little bit about yourself and your role in healthcare, please. Sure, sure. I'm happy to. Well, I am an executive director of a healthcare professional association. Uh, RESNA is a professional membership association for clinicians and engineers, developers, and researchers uh, for assistive technology for people with disabilities. Um, I've also worked in other healthcare associations, and my role is essentially to keep the trains running on time. So uh, these are uh, my members are all very, very busy professionals who work directly with clients and patients, but they want to give back to the healthcare profession. They want to make things better. And my role is to help them do that. So I organize uh, meetings. I uh, help run a scientific journal that promotes research. I uh, and my team and I, we put on a conference so that uh, these professionals can get together and talk with each other about best practices and things like that. Um, and we we run a, a several different programs, educational programs and certification programs and things of that nature. Um, so that's what I do. I'm a behind the scenes person in healthcare. Got it. Okay. You said the magic word to me, which is assistive technology. Can you talk about what is assistive technology? I mean, listen, I'm a, you know, I'm a C5, six quad. I've got my power wheelchair, but what besides power wheelchairs, what other items fall under the realm of assistive technology? Well, I take a very broad view of assistive technology, and I also include accessible technology when I'm talking about it. But um, the, the, the thesaurus version is that assistive technology is any type of technology that helps a person with a disability uh, function in the same way as someone without a disability. Um, so, for example, your wheelchair helps you uh, have an independent life and get around the way someone who doesn't need a wheelchair is able to do. Um, you know, we're all used to closed captioning on television, which is assistive technology uh, for people who can't hear, but everybody else tends to use it as well. Um, glasses can even be considered assistive technology because People need them because their eyes are not as good as somebody else's. Um, there's also accessible technology, which is basically technology that from the get-go takes into consideration people of all different types of abilities. Um, so, for example, um, your websites that are set up to be accessible to people with a whole wide range of abilities 
using screen readers, color contrast, um, alternative text for images and the like. So that's in a nutshell what what it means, what it is. Sure. And I would throw in there um, probably like off the shelf technology. So oh, yes. things like, you know, Amazon Alexa and the Google Home where it's it's not specifically designed for people with disabilities. It's designed to make everyone's life a little bit more accessible. And mm -hmm. in that, it also provides an added benefit for somebody like me who can lay in bed and turn the lights on and off throughout the whole house. So yeah. Right. Um, so fantastic. Uh, what does quality healthcare mean to you? Um, well, quality healthcare to me means that it's centered around the person and what they want to accomplish and what their needs are. Um, so that it's, uh, it is healthcare that helps everybody uh, play, go to school, hold down jobs, be a part of the community the way they want to be. Um, and it's not something that's imposed on the person and it's not something that's should be, you know, is so expensive that they can't access it and it's readily available. Yeah. I, I think the word in there that stands out to me is community, right? Because a community is, it, you know, all of the people in the area and that includes people with disabilities. And I think that it's also important to understand that when we talk about a, an inclusive community, it's not just inclusive because it's a nice thing to do or it's the right thing to do. And we include people, you know, regardless. And not that I, I think that we should, but right. with the use of assistive technology, everybody brings something to the table. Everybody brings an asset and everybody can be of value to the community, right. not just included so that we say that we have an inclusive, you know, an inclusive concept or policy. What's your reaction to that? Um, I completely agree. I believe it enhances all of our lives, regardless of who we are, what our abilities are, or uh, wherever we're from, or what religion we are, or ethnic background, or anything like that. Um, whether we use a wheelchair to get around or a hovercraft, it doesn't matter. Um, you know, it enhances all of our lives to have everybody able to participate in community life. Yeah. Uh, I, when I do some of my keynotes, one of the analogies that I use is um, of a $2 bills, right? There are, one is brand spanking new, just came out of the bank in crisp condition. One has is wrinkled and folded and has obviously been through it and the value of them is the same because they're both dollar bills but which one has the most interesting stories which one has the most experience it's the one that's been through it right and so i think the same thing applies to people that we all have equal value because we are human but at the same time there are some of us who have been through it and have the experience the wisdom and the the understanding that comes from that does that resonate with you at all definitely i think that's a wonderful metaphor and what i um what i love to hear is people in community settings speaking up and and speaking up from their lived experience because that's so rich and we can gain so much as a society if we listen to people's lived experience. It, it's really what, what 
binds us all together because it is, you know, was it Maya Angelou that said, um, people don't remember as much what you told them as they remember how you made them feel. And when we share the lived experience, we, we evoke the emotions of, I, I can either imagine being in that situation or I've been in something similar and it makes me feel something on a human level that really helps us to connect with each other as, as humans. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Okay. Completely agree. Can you give me an example of quality healthcare? Well, from my perspective and from Resna's perspective, the example I would give is a person with a disability and their family, um, and they are able to uh, to to participate fully in the lives, the life of their community. So they can live an independent life. They can make their own decisions. Um, They can, particularly if they're in a wheelchair, things like getting in and out of the house is easy for them. Um, They can cook for themselves. They can go to restaurants. They can, um, you know, have, have the, 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 appropriate seating cushions and fittings so that they don't get pressure sores. You know, what we tell at Resna are uh, certified ATPs, it is, it's about the whole person. It's not about that piece of technology that you're providing to them. It's about the whole person. Um, and in addition to the whole person, their, their family, their caregiver, their um, kids, everybody should be involved. Okay, um, but just because I, this is one of my one of my things. You use the um, acronym ATP, and I believe that's assistive technology professional, correct? It's uh, it's actually when we use ATP, what we are talking about is the credentialed assistive technology professional. So in the industry, it can sometimes be used as a catch-all term for anyone who works in the industry, okay. but that's not really correct. Um, the only folks that can call themselves ATP are those who are RESNA certified. Got it. Okay. And then within there, you also mentioned about seating and there's folks that are, um, is SMS, uh, seating and mobility specialist, is that also a formal designation? It is also a formal designation. It is a specialty certification from RESNA and you are not able to qualify for it unless you are already a certified uh, ATP. Okay. Uh, and I, I, I want to point something else out. You talked about the importance of seating, seat cushions. Okay. And a lot of times you wouldn't think of those as assistive, as assistive technology, but, and this is full disclosure. People are going to learn more about me than they really want to, but think about this because of my injury, I can't feel from my chest down. So when I'm sitting in my wheelchair all day, pardon my bluntness on this, but if my backside falls asleep, I can't feel it. And I, um, and so it leads to a pressure sore. So the cushion that I sit on is so important because it, you know, it's, it's actually one of those things I go back. I think it was, you know, world war one and world war two, where we started to do a lot of, a lot of work with people with spinal cord injuries. And when they were coming back, there were two things that got them. There were pressure sores and infections. Yes. And so um, the, the growth of antibiotics that are able to handle those many unique and different infections and the advancements in seating 
and seating cushions, seating components really has made a huge difference in the life expectancy for people with disabilities, especially those that have cerebral palsy or spinal cord injuries. Is that, is my information somewhat correct in there? Oh, yes, it's completely correct. Seating cushions are really an engineering marvel. Um, and the seating cushions that are used for people with disabilities are highly technical pieces of art, I like to think of them. Um, Resna even has a standards committee on cushions uh, where we test cushions. Um, and the engineering that goes into them is is very extensive. So it's so important. And I'll just say that whenever I get a new wheelchair and they say, would you like to try a different cushion? And my answer immediately is no, I found one that works. Don't mess with it. You don't mess with what's not broken. So uh, excellent. Okay. Uh, what do you wish people understood about your role in healthcare? Um, I think if, if, if people knew that you didn't have to be an MD or an RN or um, you know, have an advanced degree to participate in making healthcare better, in improving the quality of healthcare and improving the well-being of people, that you could be someone like me. Um, I think more would would gravitate towards healthcare associations and advocacy and what I do. Yeah. I, so I think that I actually just had a conversation about this this morning in which you're looking at the growth of who's involved in the healthcare team. Okay. Originally, many years ago, your healthcare team was your doctor. Right. And there was progress with that. And now the healthcare team becomes the doctor and the occupational therapist and the assistive technology professional and the, you know, pharmacist. And they're all part of the team. Then it grew to say, okay, if we're going to have that team, it needs to include the patient. Mm -hmm. And then there was uh, another component to say, all right, let's include a patient advocate in there too. And um, so if you're a patient, learning self-advocacy is important. But even if you're, if you're not a patient, learning the skills of advocacy for the people that surround you is such a valuable concept. And it sounds to me like that's kind of, you know, that's the position that you find yourself in being an advocate for people with disabilities specifically, but overall uh, for patients in general. Did, how does that sound Definitely. to you? Definitely, yes. And it's such rewarding work because I get to work with everybody, um, you know, and I particularly enjoy advocating, uh, like I'm in D.C., so advocating at the federal level and going to Capitol Hill and helping people understand um, just the the whole view of people with disabilities and what we need to accomplish as a society to, uh, to be whole. Excellent. And yeah, it, it, the reason why it's people with disabilities is I am not my diagnosis. I am Rob. Right. That's who I am. And, and don't miss that. So uh, what excites you about the future of healthcare? I think uh, recently what excites me the most is um honestly, the advances in technology that we're capable of. So the, the, the technologies that are coming out, that are starting to come out now, if we can get them to market, are really going to change lives. 
um, and change lives for the better. I'm also excited that we seem to have gotten to a tipping point where people are understanding that it's a combination of how the community is designed um, plus technology, plus public transportation, plus private transportation, plus schools, you know, that it's sort of a holistic view um, in order to live our best lives. And that's very, that's very cool. Yeah. I, I think that what you're talking about there is so important that it's, it's all of it together. Um, and then there, the part that can never be forgotten or underestimated is the human connection. Right. And so it's not just, it's not just enough to get people out into the community because, you know, I go out into the community and there are people who talk to me slowly or talk to me loud or, you know, pat me on my head and tell me that I'm one of God's special people, which, (laughs) you know, uh, all of those things. And it's, I don't, I don't take offense to it because it's, it's, an indication of where they're coming from. It's not, right. it's not uh, anything that reflects on me. So you take it for what it's worth and, and you smile and, and you move on. But yeah. I think that the, one of the keys to cultural change is just having people out and about in the community to have those interactions, to make, you know, to make the connections. So yeah. definitely cool. All right. Um, definitely. Last question for you. What is one thing medical professionals can start doing today to improve the quality of healthcare? They can join Resna. <laughs> you knew I was going to say that, right? Of course. <laughs> yeah, I would say that um, any medical professional who's listening today, you know, you you probably have a uh, professional membership association in your field, and just joining that association can bring you so much in terms of colleagues and connections and continuing education and staying abreast of the field. Um, that if you're not a part of a professional association, I would urge everyone to look into it. Yeah. Andrew, what you said there, I think is really important and you gave excellent reasons. Okay. Part of it is to make connections and, Another part of it is to help you stay educated and stay updated on what's going on within your field. But to go back to what you mentioned earlier, there's an advocacy component of this, okay? Yes. We, the healthcare system, we all agree there are things that need to change in it. And those healthcare associations are some of the organizations that are at the forefront of making the necessary changes and helping healthcare to move into a better place as we move into the future. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, Definitely. Resna is part of uh, three or four different coalitions of other healthcare associations, some of them patient advocacy groups, some of them professional membership associations like us. Um, And we play a big role um, at the federal level and at the state level and at the local level advocating for policies and funding that support inclusive communities and, in, in, you know, an inclusive way of life. Um, and without that power, sort of the power of being together, um, you know, we wouldn't stand much of a chance. Yeah, I, so true. Listen, Andrea Van Hook, thank you so much for joining me today. I appreciate you sharing. I, I respect you. I appreciate you taking the time and I respect your perspective on healthcare. 
Thanks for listening to Perspectives on Healthcare. Visit PerspectivesOnHealthcare.com to learn more about Rob Oliver or to subscribe so you never miss an episode. If this podcast was valuable, we'd appreciate a review on iTunes. Or if you tell a friend or coworker about the show, that would be helpful too. Join us again next time for more Perspectives on Healthcare.